a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I'm your humble host, Mike Gargoni, and joining me, as always, the hollowed-out cave riddled with bugs to my couple of schlubs trying to use a proton grenade, it's John Campbell. <laughs> oh yeah, finally, Gargoni. You know, as a lifelong Trekkie more than a Star Wars person, um, I'm so happy to be in a cave storyline. <laughs> yeah, of those classic cave storylines that they generally needed to do to save on budget. Mm -hmm. uh, now we get in a Star Wars comic. I know. I never expected this comic book to need to, uh, need to save money with a bottle episode, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, man. Is, is this a bottle episode? I mean, it kind of is, but not really. Well, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a bug episode, though. <laughs> yes, yes, bug budget with uh, the roof on this thing. The bug budget was through the roof mm -hmm. on Star Wars, the 1977 Marvel series, number 28, which yeah. is the issue we're covering today, weirdly enough. And, I mean, the, the they don't bury the lead. Look at this cover. It's Bugs Aplenty. Uh, it is Bugs Aplenty here on this issue that was released in October of 1979. Um, we've got a lot of the same creative team as we've had before. Mm -hmm. Archie Goodwin on writing, Carmen Infantino on pencils, Gene Day on inks, Glennis Oliver on colors, and John Costanza on the letters with a shooter on the hill uh, off in the distance. Uh, yes, just ever going like, hmm. But right off the bat, we have Han Solo on this cover saying, keep blasting. Keep blasting, Chewie. Those things will eat through the Falcon for dinner and us for dessert. Based on what we learn later in this issue, I don't think that's true. But anyway. Nope. nope. <laughs> yes. Today we are in the cavern of the crawling death. I mean. So proclaimeth the title. Oh, man. I mean, I remember people making fun of Attack of the Clones. When they announced the title as sounding like a 50 sci-fi movie, but Cavern of the Crawling Death doesn't even sound like a 50 sci-fi movie. It sounds like a chapter in a serial, which I guess makes sense for Star Wars then. But uh, you've got to love that Crawling Death is in like the Creature from the Black Lagoon font. Yeah, this reads to me like a movie we would see covered on MST3K, right? Absolute Cavern of the Crawling Death starring John Carradine. Um, and, and in the said movie, uh, we would only actually get to a cavern in the last like five minutes. Yeah, you'd be like, why is there a lot of native people dancing at the beginning? Um, <laughs> or is it Spider Island? I see. Yeah. <laughs> <is> Spider Island. <laughs> but Oof. yeah, this, I mean, I will say it doesn't really, there are a lot of bugs in this issue. But this isn't really the premise of it. This makes it seem like Han and Chewie have crashed onto a planet and they're going to be devoured by, like, flesh-eating bugs. And that's not really what's happening in this. No, as we were set up last time, this is a hut with one T issue. Oh, boy. Boy, yeah. he, oh, boy is he, right. he is the most one T of a hut I've ever seen. It's true. Look, there's a lot of things that we're not going to like about this issue. I just want to strap in for that right away. Because not only do we have... Yeah, go ahead. We all already have Hut with one T. Yeah. And he's not great. No. We all, then also have Infantino's Chewy, which... Yeah. I have a theory about Infantino's Chewy, well, about wanna... why we find him so upsetting. Okay, this cover right off the bat, I have huge problems with Chewy specifically, but... um. But, but this cover also addresses one of those things that you and I find so egregious about his take yes. on Chewbacca. But and he, that is the naked face that he gives Chewie. He, the naked face. But here, well, here the, he still has the naked face. They've just colored it. Right. But that's what I'm saying is I think it would be less egregious if it was colored all brown. Yes. The, yeah, I agree. Except I, I have more with this luxu the luxurious locks he has here. Look at that hair. Sure. Mm. This is the Chewy this, shampoo commercial. Mm. This, this is 
Chewy if he needed to be uh, posing on the cover of a Harlequin romance novel. It's true. Yeah, it really is. That's fi- That's a Fabio pose. That <laughs> is a Fabio shooting space bugs. All right, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. Someone just off frame has a big fan that they're pointing at. Yeah. Him. I was going to say, though, like, I, I should be happy because we're back to my boys. Han and Chewie are, you know, th- those are my Star Wars characters. And yet... Mm-mm. If you if you on paper go, hey, do you want to read an issue where Han and Chewie are doing battle with Jabba the Hutt and his minions? I'm like, hell yeah. Not this, and though. cave fighting? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the idea of Han and Chewie take refuge in a space cave because they're being pursued by Jabba the Hutt and his minions. I'm like, that sounds like a great Star Wars story. <laughs> not, not as presented here. Uh, I also have a game for us this issue, though, to lighten some of the 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 lows we're going to be hitting here. Sure. I would like you to keep an eye out for every panel in which Chewie's head is just appearing from off frame to deliver some gronk or schnork. Okay, yeah. I clocked a few when I was reading it, but yes, we will keep our eyes peeled for that specific. Keep, keep a count going on that because I have a feeling that Infantino in this issue had a real bad case of I don't want to draw the whole character. Chewie leaning going... So let's get to this first page in which Cable is coming around the corner. Okay, who forgot to give Han Solo a right eye? Okay, (laughs) who's looking? What happened? Well, look, when the techno organic virus takes over most of your body and you're using all of your psionic potential to try to hold it at bay, it does weird stuff to your eyes. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Falk as Han Solo. (laughs) You're mad. One more thing. Um, yeah, it just I, this is one of those things where it's like, come on, you guys. Also, why is his... Uh, look at the sight on his blaster. Why is it to the oh, side? His, his blaster's all wonky. I don't know. I mean, number one, it's not Han Solo's blaster, which we know is an iconic uh, weapon of sci-fi. But uh, I, I'm, I, I'm even willing to let that go and just talk about, like, yeah, it's all over the place. Um, yeah. Whatever happened to Jabba the Hutt, which is what we were promised at the end of the last issue, was the next issue would be, whatever, what, hey, whatever happened to Jabba the Hutt? I love the caption box below this, though, because it goes, answer, (laughs) he's alive and well, trying to kill Han Solo on an obscure planet called Orleon. I love the idea of giving a title to something and then just going, like, whatever happened to Jabba the Hutt, he's right here. Like... (laughs) It's so, it's just like, okay, cool. Asked and answered comic book, thank you. Who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? That guy. That guy, right there. <laughs> cool. Who framed uh, Roger Rabbit? Oh, th- that one. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert, Christopher Lloyd. Judge, Judge Doom, right there. Yeah. Well, his name was Judge Doom. We should have seen it coming. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, gave a whole generation of kids nightmares, though. Uh, good job, Christopher Lloyd, on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Han is uh, peeking out here with his one good eye uh, <laughs> as a laser blast is coming his way, and he's like, I take it you and your hired clowns are rejecting our latest offer, Jabba. Oh, oh, oh that rascal. So, presumably, Jabba's crew is here to take out Han Solo because he still can't have any money to pay back Jabba the Hutt. Well, well, yes, of course, because let's not forget that our old friend Crimson Jack took his money that he was going to pay Jabba the Hutt with. This is what Han gets for labeling boxes with the word treasure. (laughs) (laughs) Chewie, make it sure it's the biggest letters possible. (laughs) T-R-E. Perfect. Um, No, yeah, and of course, yeah, we're on the planet uh, Orleon. uh, Right. And uh, which is a very wet planet, as we as because as Han is talking about all this rain, he goes, Wait till he finds out this is the dry season. Yeah, because a lot of what we get is Han and Chewie in this second page inside of a cave, and outside we just see the streaks and streaks of rain. I actually really like the the rain artwork in this book, I think it's gives it a nice, moody, interesting change of pace to Star Wars where a lot of our stuff is dry. Actually, Orleon as a planet and like a setting for this is not bad. I like the idea of this sort of rocky cave on this 
planet where it's always raining. Of course, we'll later see uh, heavy rain on like Camino in uh, Attack of the Clones, which I thought was sure. The best part of the movie, no surprise here, is the like noir detective story with uh, Obi Wan. Would be my opinion, but like even that had that sort of moody night rain sort of feeling that yeah, totally normally see. Um, Han does make a comment that Chewie stinks because wet Wookiee smell is of course hilarious, no matter. The and another context. what I don't know what what they're doing with Han in this issue, but that when he makes that comment and he's sitting there, by the way. <laughs> The the sight on his blaster is now still to the side, but on the other side. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really? it changes depending on which way the bad guys are. Well, why is he doing like a, yeah, say, yeah, that's right, dude. It smells like wet Wookiee in here. Like he's talking about well, the Yeah, his face is kind of all scrunched up towards the middle of his head, so I'm not quite sure what happened there. No, I know. It's 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 so weird. Uh, there, there There's some real just weird choices in this. Um. Yeah. So we get some exposition about how, yeah, they've landed the Falcon here on this really wet planet. They're mm. still getting shot at from outside the cave. And uh, he is, I mean, they're cornered, effectively. Yeah. They, they're cornered. And this is like a classic sort of like Western setup where like our heroes have taken refuge somewhere and they're surrounded by the evil posse outside, right? Like, mm-hmm. um Let's go to the next page because I really want to. I really wanted. This is a panel I want to dig down on because what is happening here? Han Solo has a blaster. Chewie has a blaster. Mm-hmm. How are they firing so many? Yeah, all these, all these, you know, laser beams. So I know they really use laser and stuff. Han's a quick shot. We know that. Yes. Let us assume that his standard hit blaster can fire i don't know seven or eight shots if he like fans the <laughs> the gun yeah yeah you know like how blast <laughs> that's how blasters work <laughs> and then what you um, got his set to auto fire something um maybe two we can get two or three off because the bowcaster is a slower weapon if it deals a little bit more damage oh that's if he was so carrying the bowcaster of course uh, I'm gonna go back one page. He's not. See. He's aggressively he's not, not carrying his yeah, okay. weapon. Uh, like one, uh, I would say one of the one of the characters most associated with a singular weapon in all of Star Wars. But whatever, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, but that being said, with that just like quick little blaster arithmetic, we've got ourselves one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight blaster bolts here i think that's pretty reasonable honestly the fact that he's only really hitting two people is the problem here yeah you know what i would have appreciated because that was some nice bullshit there gurgani um but uh (laughs) uh, what what i would appreciate if they were actually doing that with intention because i i would like that uh if they were coming at different like one is already mostly fired and one is coming at like you see what I'm saying? Like, what do you? Uh, well, but, but the ones that are going past you on the page, John, they're go- they've already gone past. I guess so. <laughs> Except for they're drawing them more like a Star Trek phaser, which is a straight beam, and of course, blasters are more like a single shot that just go. Through. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't really get the established like what blaster bolts look like as on a still image for a while. No, here. no, because I do always think of it as like a single, you know, fairly long like red streak. Well, there's that. I mean, say what you will about the sequels, but in oh. Force Awakens, when Kylo like stops the blaster, it's still one of the coolest. I remember being in the theater, just going like, "Whoa!" It was yeah. badass, and it's just like charged in air. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, uh, late- the aliens we get shot here. Some classic Infantino horn nose oh, aliens right here. A hundred percent. He is absolutely defaulted to classic design of Infantino, and then, but then, folks, then we just get on the next panel. One of the most beloved Star Wars designs, iconic, one of the great villains of Star Wars. Ladies and gentlemen, Jabba the Hutt. I mean, that I see that right there. I'm like, ah, oh, Jabba's here, folks. It's so interesting to me that this was a decision made by a comic book artist back during the adaptation of A New Hope, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that when, was, who was that who was doing that back in the day? Uh, Roy Thomas was writing. Uh, who was did the art for the original? Let me look. Because who's responsible for this? Um, who 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 did this? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that would have been uh, Howard Chicken. 
Oh, that's right. It was, of course, it was Jaken. It was young Jaken. Um, the the thing, the, the, there's nothing inherently wrong with this design per se, other than, of course, it's so inconsistent with what we know is Jabba the Hutt. But I, my question is just, where did this design come from? Because there were, this is the only time Jabba's ever looked like that. There is no Jabba, of course, in the original movie. They did film a scene with just a guy. They filmed a scene with a guy who was just like a portly gangster looking guy with a furry vest. Yes. Uh, which you can see photos of online. And then, of course, and, in 97, they go back and digitally put in uh, right. a, 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 a slug-like creature, which is meant to look like a younger Jabba. But, you know, reasonably similar to what we know from Return of the Jedi. This design, did this just wholly come from Jaken? Because that seems wild to me that this character who is so off-spoken of, would just be handed off to the comics department like this. Well, and it speaks to something we've debated heavily in our entire coverage of this series thus far, and that is how much the comics people were given when they were making that original adaptation. And, like, we kind of landed on, like, set stills and a shooting script is what we that, probably had. That's, I think, what it had to be, and some concept art, Yeah, yeah. And so there were certain things that, like, they, A, probably hadn't shot or, like, hadn't given them the stills for when they handed over the shooting script. So when they say the the vile gangster Jabba the Hutt, we really have no idea what it's supposed to be. And so then some comic book artist has, in this case, Howard Chaikin, has to be like, I don't know, it's an alien gangster. He's some kind of weird ocelot man with gloves ocelot man with gloves by the way if they just change this character's name to ocelot man i'm way on board <laughs> yeah but then hideo kojima is gonna raise a finger and go um excuse me that's true that's true yeah um but like it's just it's well it's very it's more it's very marvel comics uh the gloves the body suit like the suit on him the whole thing about it is is very marvel of this era Sure. Yeah. I mean, this looks it's like the a head that really. Or... Yeah, or like he—he's a—he's a. He's a uh, I don't know. Some kind of like outer space X Men villain who maybe gets yeah. like a single issue because they have to stop him from uh, dethroning Liliandra and ruining something in the Shi'ar Empire. Yes, a hundred percent has that vibe, and he's talking to his uh, very Infantino minions. Another horn nose. We've got a flathead. Yeah, horn nose, flathead, and furry guy. <laughs> and they're in there, not dissimilar to the Millennium Falcon looking ship. Uh, the ship gets a name later. I'm oh, trying to remember what yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a weird name, and they say it a lot. Yeah. That's the thing that really uh, got me. And so once again, though, we have to fill everyone in on Han Solo has failed to repay a very large bet run up while smuggling spice in my service. So, here's how I'm going to justify this going forward, or else my brain will break, and we can't have that. Han owes money to two Jabba's the Hut. <laughs> one is with one T, yeah. one is with two T's. Oh, God, Joey, it's Jabba with the Hut with one T. Oh, no. And this one has a bit of an inferiority complex because obviously Jabba the Hutt with two T's is much bigger, more famous, and a just all-around better gangster than him. Mm -hmm. So he is constantly on Han's case because this is really the only game he has going on. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> this is it, man. I'm famous for this specifically. <laughs> Right. It's just like, look, I've got one guy in the galaxy who actually owes me uh, money. Right. I gotta chase this down. And yeah, yeah. The, what he's not saying is he needs this money because he's in debt to like a ton of people. So, including but, Jabba the Hutt with two T's. Yeah. Well, that's still also a copyright lawsuit thing too. <laughs> he tried that one T crap in court, and they were like, "No, dude, still too similar." Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Um. So, uh, but uh, we get all the stuff. Oh, no, I was going to turn the page. Goes, okay, here's something you don't see in Star Wars. 
somebody opening canned food that is like a, I mean it l- l- come on this is an old hobo in a cartoon can of beans the way this is drawn yeah and look this is prime hulk eating can of beans era too oh, so what is it ever yeah um but i'm just like i see han solo pop open a can of uh nutrient paste as he says here um mm-hmm. and i'm just like and once again Boy, Infantino, man, I think maybe it's time to get rid of him. Look at this Han face. I mean, I'm serious about this. Has Han had a stroke? Look at that. I don't know about that. All I know is that Chewie's popping in from the side of the panel there going like, hey, what's going on, everybody? (laughs) Hey, everybody. And then proceeds to leave the panel. Look at the next face. like, now I'm going to be a little bit more off panel. I'm saying, yeah. Infantino's kind of getting sick of drawing Chewie's whole body. <laughs> and then, hey man, Han just chucks this perfectly good nutrient paste, which is, the way it's coming out of this is this green glob. Yeah, I think they're eating that food that the Lost Boys eat and hook. <laughs> Spielberg saw this and went, hmm. <laughs> Uh yeah, it no oh, man, I don't know, but this this is not good. Uh <laughs> but John, it's fine because this is a framed narrative and now we're gonna get a flashback. Yes, okay, well here it is. How did we how did we even get into this mess? Because as this points out, it's been a while since we last saw them take off. When we last saw Han Solo and Chewie, they were escaping the wheel. The wheel in the sky was a bad story. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Hey, give us Master Com. I'll never, hey. never well, forget that. Well, as we talk about, the wheel was interesting, but overstayed its welcome. That story went on way too long. Um, so yeah, they're tight. We we followed what Luke and Leia did post wheel. Now we're catching up. Okay, this is what Han and Chewie have been up to since they mm-hmm. left the wheel. They flew away here in this next panel, and uh, <laughs> I do like that. A, that a lot of this story starts. With the Falcon uh, falling out of hyperspace, because like somebody monkeyed around with it. Yeah, so they get 0.5 past light speed, and mm-hmm. that's when the trouble started. Yeah, <laughs> and that's when the tr- that's when the drugs kicked in. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I would assume some drugs kicked in because for these middle two panels here, uh, Han is decidedly Asian. <laughs> Was I always Korean? No. <laughs> <laughs> And also just like, once again, frozen in this rictus grin of like. Also, like it changes from panel to panel, but there are some really big swoops going on in Han's hair this issue. There really are. Yeah. Look at the way. Yeah. And look at the the way his hair cuts like it just goes out into the side on both sides. Yeah. How gravity works. Um, No. But uh, yet another panel of Chewie just head in frame. Honk. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and so yeah uh so they're they're gonna stop on uh orleon and uh this would be a perfect place to uh hide in a cave and fix up the falcon well because they have like a little stash of supplies here because it's a shithole of a planet and they figured hey it's a good place to stop off and leave a a, a storehouse but in the description of this panel i want to point out a very specific thing because by a carefully orchestrated series of short hops in and out of what is this word here, Gergon? I believe it says warp. Look, we're in a, a distinct <laughs> dry spell for Trek at the moment. Yeah, well, well I, no, we're not. Because 1979 Star Trek the Motion Picture is out at this point, folks. Okay, okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. Mm hmm. I'm just saying, but, you can't, look, we all know, it's light speed, all right? It's not warp speed over at Star Wars. It's it's hyperspace or light, light speed. speed. Yeah. yeah. Now, calling it warp is definitely I'm just like. I'm saying, they are very light. <laughs> Roddenberry's like, what the, what, what, what did they say? <laughs> Didn't, wasn't Roddenberry always like super dismissive of Star Wars, I feel like? He, I he never really got like they were up in my grill. Yes, he was. He was not like it was not like an anger about it, but it was definitely like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, 
Yeah. There's the there's the famous um, photo that you can Google search of him and George Lucas shaking hands when they were both at a convention and somebody was like, oh my God, we should get a picture of them together. Mm. Lucas always very like, look, there would be no Star Wars without Star Trek. That got there first. You know, obviously they're different things, but it's like that was a forerunner. And Roddenberry's like, mm-hmm, yeah, nice little space picture you got there, Lucas. Because <laughs> Roddenberry, I mean, he would talk about that when they made Star Trek. Like, he was always, like, lost in space. <laughs> Pretty much Star Trek was just, it was so, he was so high-minded about Star Trek that everything else sure. was like, oh, that's a dumb little space thing. 2001, how gauche. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice try, Kubrick. Um, <laughs> no, I think he probably loved that because that he's like, finally, something at my intellectual level. Um, right. No, so yeah, there definitely was that sort of attitude. So I don't think he was reading a Star Wars comic. And I don't think they actually no. have rights to the word war. But um, no, they absolutely don't. Uh, now, so if they started talking about like ejecting the warp core, we might have a different. Now, that's a different matter. Yeah. And we use the yeah. word dilithium anywhere, then we're in real trouble. Um, yeah. But. Uh, Okay, my favorite part of this issue is this next, uh, if we go to the next page, and that is Chewie. Basically is the guy at the oil change going like, bring it in, bring it in to the left. How did Chewie get out of the Falcon? <laughs> yeah, like you can't just, you can't just hover the Falcon and pop on out. I mean, you can, but like that implies that it already is low enough that like, why wouldn't it be able to guide itself in? I know, I need to He's got the baton from the airport going, no, bring it in. There, over there, there it is. Are you kidding me with this? Yeah, I don't know what's and happening here. This close of a Chewie is one of Infantino's worst drawings of Chewie. Oh, yeah. His head is so wide. His head is so wide. All of his facial features are squished way down. And, he, and look at that mouth. It's just like... I am all for artistic interpretation where it like you can see how they're exaggerating features and whatnot. And like you can see the evolution yes. of where it comes from. I seriously do not understand how Infantino and the colorist um, landed on this look for Chewie with like the bald like ape face. I really don't. No, I don't know where they got that from because it's just like at this point the movie has, is is everywhere. The images of these characters are everywhere. There are toys. There's so much reference for what this character looks like. And they are just choosing to ignore it. And it's a totally different character. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he is the most off model of any character in this. Yeah. And, like, we can complain about, like, Han's hair or his weird facial features. Yeah. But, like, the, the chewy face is well, and it's just the face because like the body is he's a tall hairy guy it's hard, yeah. it's hard to fuck that up but it's just like the face is so egregious and off-putting yeah and the claws are also always weird to me yeah and that's a thing that like wookies kind of have but their head and their hands are usually so f hairy that you can't really tell yeah it's like but it's, yeah they give him like bad guy nails which is weird yeah i don't know Weird comic, you guys. <laughs> this but anyway, goes into the now my hard take. This comic's kind of weird. Um, there are two weird wands in this issue, and we get them both on this page here because we have Chewie with his like guiding wand to bring the Falcon. Yep. In. But then, who who's this right on Han's tail? Why it's Jabba the Hutt with one T and the Void Raker. The Void Raker. Hey kids, this Christmas, make sure you ask your parents to get you a Void Raker so you can reenact the classic cave showdown. <laughs> but the second fun one on, on this page yeah. is Jabba's umbrella wand? with one T's umbrella wand. Yeah. I this is so goofy. <laughs> and the idea of the guy whose job it is to just hold that one. <laughs> I mean that I think that does speak to a certain like arrogance and power. It's just like, no, you yeah. You're my umbrella guy. Yeah, he's the umbrella guy. Uh, and he is going, well, Han, my boy. This moment is... Han, me boogie. Han, me boogie. I mean, it, they, they are writing... Well, because they do have the script. So, I mean, you mm -hmm. know, they, they are writing him in that uh, this moment has been dreadfully long coming. Uh, and uh, 
So uh, Java, the Java with one T, Java the Hub with one T, uh, has uh, installed a bug, as he says here, which is interesting because there's going to be a lot of actual bugs later. Foreshadowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That will alert him. As, but where was he? He must have been close by then, obviously, because he gets there like right away. So there are two interpretations. Either he lands in the mud in this middle panel here, or he was here the whole time and is rising up out of the mud. Oh, I love that one so much better. Where he's like, I'm just going to put all my bed uh, on uh, Orleon. Like, that's just where I'm going all in. That's where he's going. And then he is basically just going like, I didn't think you'd be this stupid. <laughs> I literally only had the one thing to do. And that was wait here for you. And you showed up. And like the idea of the other guys going like, uh, Jamba, should we, do we just hang out in the mud? Yes, we really just hang out in the mud. Because he rises if, up like the Legion of Doom headquarters and Super Friends. If he comes here, think about how cool this is going to be. All right, if we, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he does, yeah, like he goes like, "This is great, man." Because now I don't have to pay anybody the bounty uh, to get you. <laughs> I'll just do it myself. This is great. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it, uh, I've ordered. My lads, I like these. These, it's it's Job and his lads. Uh, Jabba and the Lads is yeah. his uh, post-punk band well, that uh, better, he tried in college. Even better, my new favorite term for Han Solo is this being described as the Corellian Skipper. And Chewie. Yeah. And is and 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 Chewie is his, is his mate, um, which is great. And yeah, I really can't see Chewie being the Gilligan in that scenario <laughs> with the little bucket hat. <laughs> <laughs> I just want Han to wear the skipper's hat, and he's got the little bucket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, well, and then uh, we'll talk about Gilligan in a second, actually. But uh, but yes, here's Chewie once again, just leaning, going. I think that's three now of oh. uh, Chewy lean-in panels. And then let's turn the page, and there's four and five on the page. So um, here's Han. I would argue there's four, five, and six. Oh, there! I just I just scrolled down to the bottom of the page. You are absolutely right. There it is. Four, five, and six right away. Because Han fatooms and bows uh, here at the uh, at the bad guys, and and then busts out the no Chewy. Apparently. Rrg, which is what Chewie says, is accusing Han of going cave happy. Uh, cave happy is a lot like space madness, yeah. but it happens in a cave. And apparently much quicker because they haven't been there that long before the Void Raker rises up out of the mud. So, um... But he wasn't shooting blindly out into the rain. What he was shooting at was this little thing that looks like a bad carrot called a stone mite yeah it's a little bug and they are the ultimate scavengers that's right folks an old and now we get to the deep lore of this issue an old timer told me about them they're a biological weapon developed during the clone wars so many questions about that their bodies manufacture an acid that enables them to eat through anything and look what this one did to that tin can (laughs) because of course Tin, a resource often used in Star Wars. Yeah, I hate, I so. hate that stuff. It's so, it's so antithetical to like the whole Star Wars brand. The idea that like tin is being used and stuff. Is this our first reference in this comic to the Clone Wars? No, because we had the flashback to Obi Wan, and he mentions he's he's in the Clone Wars. Okay, but but the Clone Wars. That the weird thing about that, of course, is we talk about like oh these Clone Wars. Ooh. Yeah. We have no idea what the Clone Wars are. We won't for years no. until this is passed. Okay. But I love the idea of writers during this period being like, the fuck? I don't know. It was called the Clone Wars. They clone stuff. <laughs> right. And so they, they made this biological weapon of these weird little acid-filled bugs. Knowing what we know now about the Clone Wars, yeah. who was responsible for these things? <laughs> Newt Gunray. Uh, no. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? Like, yeah. the bad guys of that conflict, the Separatists, yeah. are droid happy. They don't do the That's biological true. Weapons. That's true. That's true. Um, uh, 
<laughs> so would would the Republic have like made these to try to defeat the droids? That's an interesting thing. Well, because I mean that is sort of, they do basically respond uh, to droids with biological manipulation, which are the clones, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, man, maybe it's like before we got to clone soldiers, we thought biologically engineered bugs. These won't be an invasive species at all. And we just dumped them all on Orleon as the test subject and then went, oop, yeah, all right, well, you know what? Just, yeah, that plant's raining all the time. Nobody's going to go there. <laughs> it's, uh, uh maybe, maybe yeah. it's, uh, uh, who's the guy, uh, uh, Cypher Diaz. Maybe it was him. Maybe before he went then to Camino and ordered the clones, he also ordered up a whole bunch of these things. If there's one thing I can do with very little reservation is if there's any time there's a mystery in Star Wars, yeah. we can blame it on Sifo Diaz. Sifo Diaz, because we never really get an answer as to who that guy is or what he was up to. I mean, we kind of did in like some of the last episodes of the Clone Wars yeah. and a little bit of the Tales of the Jedi in that like, okay, he was a Jedi Master who sort of saw shit going sideways he started looking into the whole like clone army thing. And then at some point in the middle of all that Duke kills him, takes over his identity and right. starts setting up the clone army. I remember there being a big theory that he was, uh, do you remember this before any of that stuff comes in though, when people were certain he didn't exist and it was Palpatine, which was uh, just as viable theory as anything. Absolutely. And then it ends up kind of becoming a little bit that case of his Duke who ends up like, impersonating him basically yeah yeah but anyway yeah he's a great scapegoat for anything that doesn't make sense and Star Wars Sifo-Dyas did it so these are Sifo-Dyas's stone mites yep, they and are. they're swarming all over this place because yep. they usually move in swarms as Han says in this last bottom left panel yep thousands maybe millions separately created to devour a planet's mineral resources yes nasty that's that's nasty business in war yeah, that's like, imagine a biolog, because usually with biological weapons, it's like, okay, we kill all the people, but leave all the resources. Yeah, no. This is the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> this thing is just the, re- we're just going to starve people, because that's what yeah. we do, baby. Uh-huh. That is just what we do, <laughs> uh, But we have a, a chewy lean-in panel down here on the bottom. Oh, where yeah. Let's out a, a gnarl. Well, because he's being dripped on in this cave, which... Okay. It could be worse. Yeah, I thought it was seagull droppings, but yeah. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh, I forgot. Imagine I... being just as hairy as a Wookiee and getting a bird pooped on. Oh, oh God. Yeah. You thought he smelled bad now. Um. Uh. So, the, yeah, they get out of there. <laughs> this massive explosion that should kill them both when we turn the page. Yeah, uh, so Jabba's goons are throwing grenades into yep. a cave. They're not sparing the proton grenades. <laughs> uh, but it's but they're, starting they're, the cave to crack. But they're fine. After being thrown with all this rock and stuff, whatever, they're, they're fine. Uh, yeah. And there's Chewie once again, just at the edge of panel going, Rarp? I would also argue in the panel right next to no. that, this middle he, right he, panel. He cheats. It's not, it's not exactly, but it's the same idea where he's got a yeah. wall of water that is just covering everything below Chewie's neck. Oh, oh for the love of God. So what is that? Seven, eight now? I'm yeah, yeah. That. That's eight times he's just, he's just ahead. <laughs> it's enough already with the Chewie body. It's taken too long. Yeah. Uh, uh, we got another horn nose here on the bottom page as I, uh, we're like, uh, I have a lot of hit him enough times there, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I like, I thought there'd be some traces of body. We didn't, the proton grenades aren't going to vaporize these things, right? Uh, but also, I just want to know so much about this weird motley crew. Because, yeah, you've got a horn nose alien and then like a G.I. Joe character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's his G.I. Joe name? I think it's Caven. Caven's <laughs> perfect, yeah. <laughs> little little careless with the proton grenades, but, you know, other than that. And then, uh, <laughs> then they're like, uh, oh, man, uh, well, we didn't see him. Then we turn the page, like, there they are. They just start shooting again at him, you know, wildly. And really stretching this uh, this 
panel numbers they need to hit on this page when one of them is purely dedicated to uh, just rocks falling in a downward direction with zero context. Baroom, baloom. So we have the first panel, which is (laughs) Jabba's minions going, there they are, shoot them. Yeah. They Fatum and Pakam. Yep, of course. Second panel is just rocks falling down. We see no indication of what rocks were shot or where they are in relation to the goons or Han and Chewie. It's just rocks falling. Then we see what can't be the same rocks, but different rocks hitting Chewie in the back, causing him to work. Here's the thing, John. Mm. What if they are the same rocks? Because in that second panel, we have no sense of scale. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> like, like so, we just zoomed in so far to make them seem more intimidating. Yes. Or we pull out just two little rocks hitting Chewie. Yeah, uh-huh. oh, that's my that theory. Idea. It's like a joke, right? Where it's like, oh, no. Oh, wait, never mind. <laughs> uh, but... What's this? We have an extreme escalation of the stakes as the entire bottom half of the page is covered in stone mite swarms. Oh yeah, and look, and they're pouring from the ceiling onto the falcon. Yeah, no, we have a dire escalation of the stakes here as we have literal, what started as like water dripping through this cave, yeah. now it's bugs. We, we saw one stone mite earlier, Han's like, hmm, look at that stone mite too. They literally are nothing but stone mites in this cave. <laughs> and they are now consumed the Millennium Falcon. I, I love the phrase here when Han says, we're trapped in a king-sized coffin. Yeah. Yeah. King-sized coffin. It's big enough for both of them. Yeah. <laughs> you got some room to roll around in that coffin. <laughs> yeah, that 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 further leads me to the to the theory then, are mattress sizes the same in the world of Star Wars then? Hmm. And would the emperor-sized mattress be the biggest one there is if you have an imperial standard? This is true. Oh, I just love the idea of Palpatine in a massive mattress by himself just going, It's so cozy. <laughs> mm. Unlimited sheet size. <laughs> something, something cozy. <laughs> something, something sleepy time. Masamita, bring me my down comforter. <laughs> Oh, God, he makes the Imperial Guards tuck him in. (laughs) Now I need a story. (laughs) Vader, get in here and read me a story. Tell me a story the Jedi wouldn't tell you. (laughs) Oh, that one's too scary for the Jedi. Uh, (laughs) uh, So they, they burn a path through the stone mites onto the Falcon Mm-hmm. Now, do you count the Chewy pop in here in the middle left panel where he's just slapping bugs? Yeah, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you because he's covering up a lot with the the indication of the impact, right? And then mm-hmm, also mm-hmm. another great cheat: uh, the word bubble placement is also good on that too. Yep. Okay, well, so that brings us to nine. I'll give you that. That's a good. That's nine right there. Okay, here's where. Uh, we are. Uh, I wonder if they are doing Gilligan's Islands. We had Skipper and his mate, and then of course, for those who remember Gilligan's Island on the show, the Skipper always called him "little buddy," my little buddy. And then here's Han going, "Okay, big buddy," which I hate. Huh. Which I yeah hate. <laughs> then he would say that because that is so outside. I can't. Can well, it's another always thing because of course we have actors associated with these parts. Could you imagine Harrison Ford? Turning to Chewbacca and going, okay, big buddy. I don't know. He calls uh, Finn big deal in Force Awakens. Yeah, but in like a mocking way because he called himself a big deal. Yeah. Which makes sense where he's like, oh, you missed But just the idea of like, I just, I also can't imagine Chewie standing for it. I mean, you pointing that out definitely makes me think that is a more deliberate Gilgan's Islander. The, the skipper and his mate, and then Big mm. Buddy. And he says it a couple times in here, too, which I'm, I'm weirded out by. Um, but anyway, they're like, all right, let's get out of here before these things eat the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, so they got to run into hover mode, and hopefully they're making it so, like, the shake that we'd established that the Millennium Falcon has, uh, we're hoping that shakes off all the bugs. Well, that's the, I mean, that actually, that actually does kind of fit the Han Solo plan of like, let's just fire it up and hope it goes all right. <laughs> he is going to do some map conversion work, though, which I would love to see Han with a little pencil and like, 
the carry the four. <laughs> no, hold on. Uh, so yeah, they've got all these bugs pouring down. Meanwhile, outside at the Void Raker. Void Raker. I love Void Raker's first album. That's all I'm saying. Um. <laughs> <laughs> a little derivative of Megadeth, but yeah. all, all pretty solid yeah, first not, album. Not bad. Not bad. Then they blew it on the second one. Um. Yeah, well, they overproduced, and that's always <laughs> that's the mistake the you do. That's the problem, yeah. yeah. Um, lots, uh, one of my least favorite things in all of comics, tons of dialogue coming from just the image of a spaceship. Yeah, uh, so they've got some scanners, and they're reading through the stones that the Falcon's engines are on, but they've buried themselves, so, uh, lol, they're gonna die? I did think it was really nice that they cast uh, Clint Howard as this uh, Jabba the Hutt henchman with the headphones on. Really <laughs> nice of them to give Clint some work. Uh, I know. <laughs> Clint Howard, of course, years later, would be part of the Star Wars universe when his brother directed a movie. I was going to say, but also, like, this is what Clint Howard looks like now, not back in 1979 when he was legitimately a little kid. Um, I point you to the episode of Star Trek he did as a little kid, and you tell me that he didn't have the exact same face. Okay, okay, <laughs> fair enough. I'm just saying, he always looked like Clint Howard. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I do love Jabba's out here with his guys who are blasting away with this laser borer. And he's just going like, because, how's, that, how's that going, fellas? Yeah, they know that the Millennium Falcon is trapped in there. And they're like, look, if anyone's going to kill Han Solo and Chewbacca, it's going to be me and not starvation. <laughs> well, I love that Jabba's guys are the one who caused the cave to be blocked. And now he's like, well, I didn't want that. Open it back up. <laughs> Uh, there's already something on the scope. It's already, and they open up and, oh no, cave-in got cave and then also eaten. <laughs> yeah, you know, that happens. Oh my God. Yeah, that, the, just the skeleton cut. And they work fast because it hasn't been that long. So, they just I have a problem with this. Yeah. Okay. I don't have a problem with one of Jabba's minions getting eaten by stone mites. That's... No, and in fact, that's one of the biggest thumbs up I have in this issue. Uh... <laughs> But I think this should be way more grisly. Oh, well. Because yeah. we established that stone mites eat minerals. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't they only eat the bones? Well, they appear. <laughs> <laughs> they, based on what I'm seeing here, they appear to have eaten most of the lower half of him because I don't see any legs on this skeleton. That's fair. So maybe they're working their way up. <laughs> yeah, they've got, they've eaten most of it. <laughs> Uh, I do love just the expressions of the, the particular the guy holding the laser borer going like, oh, God. I love the guy holding the umbrella wand is also just like, what the fuck are we doing here? Oh, is this what this is about? Stone mice! So, the idea that Jabba the Hutt, famous gangster, would have uniforms for his dudes I know. blows my mind. And once again, very Marvel comics, right? Where it's like, no, no, yeah. we need like a look as a group. We need a collective look as a group. Hydra has a we look, need- you know? <laughs> Hydra's not better than us, right? Yeah, that's oh, no way, pal. Um, okay, go to the next stone page. Stone Mites back to the ship. So they're, they're legitimately freaked out by the Stone Mites. Absolutely. So back to the ship. Uh, Chewie is gnarring. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. hidden behind the console? I would say the one on the right panel where he's hidden behind that's, most of Han that's Solo. Def- that's 10 for is, sure. Yeah. We've hit the console one's, a, yeah, I'll console let, one's pretty close. Yeah, I'll, I'll let that go. But <laughs> And once again, a curled-lipped Han Solo. In yeah, suddenly he's doing weird, his best Clint Eastwood. That's right there. In um, in weird shadow design too. Like they were trying something. Yeah, no, that definitely looks like he's gonna direct Cry Macho in a few years. <laughs> I'll be an old cowboy. <laughs> Get off my Millennium Falcon. What if what if a cowboy but old? Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, uh, but it's okay because they're gonna go full hover power. Um, yes, full hover. See if they <laughs> switch hover power to full, Chewie. <laughs> uh, and then his. What is that? Is that the sound of the bugs? 
Well, it's working, says Han, presumably from inside the Falcon. Which It'd be it, weird if this is the moment Chewie spoke, chose to speak English. <laughs> <laughs> it's working. Lindley just has like the most bland movie guy voice. It's working. We're generating enough heat. I'm there was an episode of, of, of the most recent DuckTales show where uh, Donald Duck gets like some weird device jammed in his throat and suddenly he sounds uh, <laughs> like a just like very smooth and attractive and voice. I, I believe he's voiced by Don Cheadle. That's great. I have not seen that one. That sounds very <laughs> funny. Um, what I have seen of that show, I, I did really enjoy. Um, but uh, yeah. Uh, but th- they're, they're scorching the bugs off of them oh, by... Oh, yeah. Well... Look, let's be honest. The uh, Millennium Falcon is sort of coming apart at the seams, but Han's using it to their advantage at the moment. Which, which I do appreciate. Uh, that is, once again, very Han Solo. Like, that That feels very... Yeah. What's not very Han Solo, number one, Chewie off panel for the 11th time, just popping in. But Han, what appears to be going for an up top, bud. High five, my bro. <laughs> Come on, big buddy. Don't leave me hanging. Slap me some skin, bro. Let's do it. Uh... <laughs> Well, come on, you big hunk of <laughs> Jesus Christ, this dialogue. How about some cheers for your brilliant but modest partner? What I like about that dialogue is it's it's somebody understanding the vibe of Han Solo, but in no way how he would speak. Hello, fellow teens. <laughs> it's exactly that. Where you're like, yeah, uh, snarky, kind of uh, egocentric, but funny rebel guy and that Mm. is just they have put just the words that are like this is han solo i mean you might as well be going haha my crazy rebellious antics where i play by my own set of rules this page is non-stop just chewy's head coming up from out of panel i've got uh, so we've got 11 12 13 14 yeah easy 14 of these now on the page. Good lord. Because this is just them going, oh no, this plan isn't working now. Because, yeah, we have Chewie's head just in the top left panel. Uh, I'm not going to count the Chewie surprised face, though I do love that as a reaction meme in the top right panel. <gasps> yeah. Uh, but then Chewie's looking over his chair in the bottom left. Yep. Chewie looking over Han's shoulder in the bottom upper right yep. and chewy looking from behind a console in the bottom bottom right i, I did not pick up on it this much oh my god it's really bad. <laughs> I, I'm, we've got to keep is he, is he gonna keep doing this he's just like that's it. i am done drawing this character in full it's over <laughs> but i just it it struck me in this issue because it's like okay what's the most egregious part of chewbacca to us it's his face yeah what if it was just that <laughs> What if, is, what if he's just like, well, I know I've nailed the fake. I know there are no jokes on the fake, so let's just stick with that. That's perfect, okay? Yeah. Um, uh, because what's this? Han's brilliant plan of overheating the ship isn't working as things start to explode uh, in the cockpit. I do like Han punching the console, which is very Han Solo. Uh, and then, uh, don't worry, though, he's going to do some probing. Which I don't think is something I, I don't want to hear anyone say. I want to do some probing. I want to do some probing beyond the Falcon. Maybe. 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 Uh, fire up again, Chewie, as we go to the next page. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's You do see some of Chewie's body, so I don't count this, but there's just a weird... There's so many weird Chewie, like... Chewie doing like a... Over his shoulder, like... What? What? Well, and some and sometimes Inventino like really like makes it look like Chewie has a mustache, like really? specifically a mustache that like comes out to either side like Yosemite Sam. Well, by defining like an, a non furry like as we said like flesh face, then when you get to that, it does look like he has yeah big old handlebar mustache. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird. Cut to a close up though, so there's fifteen folks on Chewie. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> uh, because Han's gotten back into the guns they're firing and what's this they are able to explode their way out of the mountain wouldn't you know it we did it big buddy we did it and Joey's like please stop uh, telling me big buddy <laughs> as they burst out into the rain yeah. they're flying up suddenly we're cut to space mm-hmm. and Joey's excited about it because he's going 
Vrunk! But what's this? They're being accosted by a character from uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> yeah. Which, uh, by the way, a, a comic book license that Marvel also had at this time was Planet of the Apes. So, uh, yeah. Uh, it turns out Jabba's Void Raker has followed them out into space. How? How and why? And this happened. Like, how they're ahead of them. And also, oh, Jabba's Yeah, it doesn't make any goddamn suit. sense. Oh, Jabba's space suit. A very Marvel Comics design, once again. Particularly 70s. When I say this, do I mean particularly 70s Marvel, right? Like, yeah. So at the bottom page here, we get a close in on who we're told is Jabba the Hutt, but looks like a monkey in a spacesuit. Yep. Monkey in a spacesuit, by the way, that's a new comic I'm working on, actually. So uh, <laughs> monkey in a spacesuit. And then a great expression of uh, when we go to Han Solo and he's just doing like a. Uh, well, 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 well. Because, yeah, on this next page, we get a full look of the spacesuit, and it is... It's a monkey in a spacesuit. I don't know what it's to say. It's a monkey in a spacesuit, and it's a spacesuit right out of... Not 2001 Space Odyssey, the movie, but 2001 Space Odyssey, the Jack Kirby comic. Oh, which is its own brand of crazy. Oh, God, that comic is nuts, and it, I really want them to do, like, an omnibus of that. I That must mm. be a rights thing. Because they don't have... I don't know. They're slowly but surely working through some of that stuff because they just announced next year, and I'm very excited for this, they're doing a, a uh, full-on colorized omnibus, not just the essentials of their Godzilla run from back in the oh, day. Oh, there you go. Yeah, and they're doing... A, they, they, they have an omnibus of, of all their ROM comics is coming out and all the Micronauts as well. And the aforementioned Planet of the Apes. They're doing the 70s Planet of the Apes comics are coming out in Omnibus. So they are doing some of that stuff. I would love to see. When was Kirby doing this? So a little bit before this. 76 to 76, 77 was the Space Odyssey comic. Um, which is, like, if you thought that movie was nuts. <laughs> which, again, introduced us to uh, Machine Man, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. Uh, which is nuts to think about that a character from... Uh, <laughs> Next wave started in a Jack yeah. Kirby yeah. 2001 A Space Odyssey that's right. Okay, Yes, that's right. He was called Mr. Machine, but yes, he became Machine Man. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Crazy. Absolutely crazy. Um, Kirby. But yeah, crazy. on this page, it, it turns out that this monkey in a spacesuit is Jabba the Hutt. Mm -hmm. And he, on his uh, spaceship, the Void Raker, uh, the Stone Mites have gotten on board and he's trying to blast his way out. And he's apparently the only survivor. Yes, he, they've destroyed everywhere. Uh, they're, now they're everywhere, destroying everything. I'm the only one left, Han. To We've which... got to take me aboard. Okay. The Han Solo I know would be like, <laughs> snooze you lose, pal, or whatever. You know, it's like, serves you right, jackass. Why would he save Jabba the Hutt? Jabba literally was just trying to yeah. kill him in a cave, not moments earlier. That's what I always liked about you, Han, my boy. There isn't a vindictive bone in your body. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> this is a total violation of the character. Yeah, also, the idea that Jabba and Han would have, like, this playful rivalry is just so absurd in hindsight. Well, and, he, and then going to the next page here, where uh, he says, uh, Right, Jabba, Chewie and me don't believe in getting even. What are you talking about? With a nice, uh, solid 15 at the end here for Chewie leaning in on the bottom of the panel. Rort. Uh, <laughs> Rort. Yeah. I, I, I don't... Uh, I don't, I, and then that's just the end of the issue, pretty much. Well, because they've got, <clears throat> the issue ends with Jabba the Hut with one T clinging onto the outside of the Falcon as they begin to fly away, and them saying, "And maybe we won't be too quick about opening up the airlocks for him." <laughs> Freeze frame. Yeah. <laughs> Not just abandoning him to die because he's a murderous gangster. 
Jabba the Hutt starts to curse, then shrugs and reluctantly smiles. Mentally, he calculates a likely offer, automatically cuts it in half, and elects to wait an hour to make it look good, and begins planning for another day when he'll have the upper half. No, this is, oh, this dynamic I hate. The idea of a, like, oh, you win this round, Solo, but oh, oh, oh. Yeah, it's like immediately all danger is taken away from this character. Yeah, not that there was much to begin with yeah. with this version of Jabba the Hutt. Yes, yeah, it works so much. I mean, I don't even like seeing him in A New Hope because that scene is also pointless. But like the idea that I love the idea that for two movies, everybody's like, "Oh, it's Jabba the Hutt, the yeah, Jabba the Hutt man." He wants on Solo, and when you finally see him, you it, he he delivers. He's disgusting. He's evil. You know, he's a murderer, like and a sex predator. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, all of those things. Yeah, he, he is um, disgusting and horrible as promised. And here, this version was like, what if we reduced him and then immediately take away whatever teeth he might have as a character? Well, it's something that comic books have always struggled to do, I think, in general. And that is kind of nail the vibe of the, the arch criminal mastermind, right? The guy who leans back and lets other people, and is just so magnanimous with his power that he lords it over other people. And, like, Kingpin is obviously the best example yeah. of that. Yeah. And he is kind of the archetype of the huge, like, Marlon Brando-esque oh, godfather yeah. figure. Hell yeah. I mean, hey, man, if Marlon Brando wasn't, you know, insane and they had made something, him <laughs> Kingpin would have ruled. Um, sure. But, yeah. Uh, but and the fact that we eventually got there with Jabba the Hutt seems obvious. Right. But in other comic books, like the the gangster motif is never quite landed um, outside of like Batman and Daredevil. I just think it's so interesting that they took a swing on Jabba the comic. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they, that they were like, well, we're going to do a Jabba. Because they're going to have to backtrack all of this, of course. Oh, and... Look, again, right ahead a little bit, like, no. yeah, you think this isn't, like, immediately thrown out the window as soon as we start learning more about Jabba the Hutt yeah. and your Return of the Jedi? Yeah. I mean, that's very much what the Star Trek comic from Marvel was like, was basically they would take swings on stuff, and then a new movie would come out, and they would basically have to retcon everything. Right. Like, every time a new Star Trek movie came out, that comic basically had to restart from scratch. Because it'd be like, nope, <laughs> everything we've done doesn't count anymore. Because that, you know, because like, oh, well, we didn't expect that Star Trek 3 would begin at the exact moment that Star Trek 2 ended. Oh, well, shit, none of that happened then. <laughs> uh, but next, but, it's, man, but meantime, Darth Vader is also planning because he's just as big of a schemer as Jabba the Hutt. Oh, Darth Vader and his schemes. Uh, but, uh, hey, man, things are going to get real metal next issue in Dark Encounters. Dark Encounter. Oh, yeah. It's like, <laughs> hey, man, all, all I know is the Dark Lord of the Sith is coming in, folks, and it's going to be, I, it's probably going to be silly. Uh, <laughs> Darth Vader out from the top of the ring with a chair. Oh, my God, in my life, I have never seen this. This is absolute. This cannot be legal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Are you going to get some valance next week? Uh, Valens v. Vader. It's going to be a VVV. VVV. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> VVV. VVV, uh, my friend. Uh, pretty sure that was an Indian movie that came out this year? Yeah, it's pretty good, actually. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I... Yeah, th this issue was... I mean, once again, they are just treading water. Um, this oh, yeah. dude really doesn't do anything. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited well, for the return of Valance, and if he's going to fight Vader, then that's cool. But tamper those expectations, John. No, yeah, well, I understand. <laughs> still a '70s Marvel comic. I'm not insane here. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we got our part of the experiment of this podcast is seeing like the weird abortive attempts at adding to the Star Wars canon, right? Yeah, and like. The, the the misses and the near hits and the things that stood the test of time. Like, obviously, for every job of the hut with one T, that is just like a complete abortive failure that needs to be ignored completely. <laughs> we have 
a uh, group of characters like the tags that will go on to be yes. like a long-standing weird corner of the extended universe. This is true, uh, and, and and maybe not that tag specifically, but the concept of the tags are there. Um, yeah, yeah uh, no, that that's it exactly. I mean, it's 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 interesting to see them take swings and where they choose to take swings and where they choose to kind of play it safe is is fascinating to me. Like I said, I mean, it's, this book is a curiosity. I mean, that's why we're doing the show, right? Like, mm-hmm. they don't, they don't and, know. And part of that is the uncertainty that they have. Just like, did they know that Jabba the Hutt was going to be a big character going forward? Right. Probably not. It, Im- imagining a world in which, like, Jabba the Hutt is never mentioned again in any of the following movies is pretty easy to think oh. about. Like, yeah, that's a dangling plot thread yeah. from... A new hope but honestly like how hard would it have been if we just jumped into empire strikes back and han says like oh yeah after i took care of that i was able to devote more time to the rebellion right easy sure yeah the second by the time that you still talk about in the second movie and of course the end of the movie i'm going to be curious to see how they play with him post empire because it definitely seems like okay yeah. he is like a big part of this world and 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 last we leave han solo he's literally the prisoner of Boba Fett going to, I am you, I know they're going to go Boba Fett crazy in this book. Eventually. I know that because of course everybody, we all had Fett mania after empire. Um, <laughs> Look, there are two characters that are going to uh, eat well in the post empire comic book era. And that yeah. is Boba Fett and Lando Calrissian. Well, sure. Yeah. Cause it's new toys. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to get to that. Cause we, yeah. <laughs> Fet fever uh, hits hard. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, well, uh, but that's probably going to wrap things up. Of course, uh, you know, you can have more fun with all of our shows over on our patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. They can get exclusive bonus content uh, from, I said, all the shows on the Punch Up Entertainment Network, uh, as well as uh, help support us in uh, in our future endeavors. So uh, make sure yeah, you go. And of course... There. Best way to support this show is probably to go watch it over on YouTube, honestly. YouTube uh, is you can the, check. That's the preferred way to do it, yeah. Yeah, because you can read the comic along with us as we're reading it. You can see every one of those 15 panels of Chewie's head pop up <laughs> from out of the corner of the panel. That's right, folks. And, of course, if you do that, be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Ring that bell for notifications. Uh, much appreciated. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I have been Mike Ergoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you.